Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. As always, that is our presenting sponsor. Since forever, find the best tickets for MLB, for the NBA Finals, for the NHL Finals, for the Opera, for Hamilton, whatever. It is the easiest way to shop for the best tickets thanks to their revolutionary grading system. I was checking it out this weekend. I've been looking for Dodger tickets. Buy and sell tickets in just two taps on your phone. Two taps. Everything fully guaranteed. Try it out. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. We are also brought to you by our two. That was my dad coughing. We're also brought to you by our two newest podcasts, Larry Wilmore, Black on the Air, and Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Both of them doing very well. People enjoying them. Uh, I urge you to subscribe to both. They are rounding out our Ringer podcast universe. Don't forget to check out TheRinger.com where Kevin O'Connor has a great story today about the Celtics and whether they should be building for 2018 or 2025 or both. We also have Hassan Minaj coming up, but first we're going to talk about the Celtics with my dad because last night was insane. Uh, but first, Pearl Jam. line my dad he's available he's retired uh celtics fan left at halftime in game two uh didn't leave the building but went to have drinks and just never came back because the celtics were down by 40 points that was one of your five lowest home game moments you've ever had as a celtics fan dad uh it might have been my lowest i I actually don't ever remember leaving my seat at halftime and not returning but and I'm glad I did because the the lead just got higher after I left in the third quarter. But I've never seen that happen. I've never seen a team dominate us like that, particularly in the playoffs. So and you didn't, I get, all of that makes last night even more shocking, don't you think? So you didn't. It's not like you quit. You were just getting drinks, and then you kind of oh, looked I, at your wife and and you just said, "Do we even we want to go to back to our seats?" And, watching the TV and suddenly a 30-point lead was edging toward a 40-point lead and you know it just uh, it was it was tough to sit there uh, a, a good number of people left at halftime yeah and, and certainly never returned and the cats are pretty Again, cocky I, too and that, and you, that you've never too. seen you've never seen that kind of a playoff game before have you they, there's been ones that they, there was, you know, in 2009, they lost game seven to uh, Orlando. That was an ass kicking. The game, the 2012, when LeBron destroyed uh, destroyed us in game six, not to the level where, I mean, 70 to 29, you see a score like that like twice a year and, and never in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, you're, you're right. I, the other one, I guess I would put in the same category it was that game six where, as you said, LeBron destroyed us. There was, was another one. In, was, two, in 2005, game seven against the Indiana series, when that, that our test melee team, when they had like six players, and uh, they, the Pierce had gotten thrown out in that Indiana game, and then they came back for game seven, and Indiana just killed them by like 25. But yeah, it's... I, I don't count... I tell you, I don't count games like that, though, because I, I, that 2005 team wasn't a very good team yeah and you know the, the team where we went to where the game six where LeBron destroyed us 
I, I thought we had a chance to move on that year. Yeah. And and I just I guess we overrated our team versus LeBron's team. Um Well wait a second though. He I'm, never he never played like that. Like like they in game five in Miami the Celtics won, Pierce made some big threes. It right. looked like Miami was self combusting a little bit and that led to um LeBron basically reaching deep within his soul. It's interesting though. I was you know you look at the first two games in Boston and then the way LeBron looked in game three. In those first two games in Boston, he does that fast walking thing that he does where he's just, right. he's so locked in. He's just, it, it almost looks like he's, you know, trying to catch an airplane or something. He's just, he's just fast walking everywhere and he's just locked in. Game, the game yesterday, a lot of people have mentioned and written this already, but he just didn't look like he was in it from the get go. Crowder, he had that drive on Crowder and Crowder ripped the ball from him. And right. it just doesn't usually happen to LeBron, but for the most part, it just looked like he was bored, like he just thought they had to show up and, and win. And, you know, he wasn't wrong. They were up by 21 with seven minutes left in the third quarter. So, um, and listen. It was, a, it, was the, it was really a strange game by LeBron. Uh, having sat there the first two games at home here in Boston where he scored – high 30s and I thought he could have scored 60 points if he wanted to. Yeah. And then to see him I, I don't you know it looked like he was I don't know what he was doing. He he was certainly playing the facilitator. Love was hot. Uh you know the guard was hot. Uh but the Kyrie Irving. He just, he just had, yeah, he just he, 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 yeah, I remember not. I know who he is. But he he just looked out of it. He looked like he was yeah. in a fog. And I know a lot of people have worked on the radio anyway have already said he kind of looked like Harden looked in that game seven. Uh, yeah, uh, just, he just had just a bad out game. Of it. I yeah, you just don't expect him to have a bad game after he destroyed us at home. Uh, I know, but that's that's credit to him though. Is that when he has a bad game, people immediately assume like something horrible has happened. And I I I'd like to think he's a human being and is capable of kind of mailing in a game or just not having the usual gusto. What was weird, though, was that I, in my head, and the, I actually thought the Celtics were going to play better last night just because defensively they were going to be better because, you know, uh, Isaiah, who we're going to talk about in a second. But not having him out there and going with a more defensive lineup, at least you knew the Cavs weren't going to be able to do whatever the hell they wanted on offense. But, um, but what I didn't expect... I, I just thought LeBron. I thought they cared about going twelve and zero. You know, well, I, I thought that was that. like a measuring themselves yeah. against the Warriors. Right. Like, oh, you're going to go twelve and zero. Watch this. We are too. So that's why I was surprised that they kind of mailed in last night, or at least some of them did. Yeah, I'm not sure they mailed it in. Um, you know, they 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 shot well. Uh, their defense was pretty iffy, but they just didn't have the same LeBron out there. And let's face it. You and I sit there, or if you're not here and we're talking on the phone, and we watch uh, Marcus Smart and Jay Crowder take three-point shots, yeah, and we scream, no, 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 no. Well, Marcus Smart, how much money would you have put down that Marcus Smart was going to make seven three-point shots last night? He saved it would have been pretty good odds. He started making them he when made... they were down 20, and, and he was the reason they came back. Chris Ryan wrote this piece for... Chris Ryan wrote a piece for The Ringer today about who gets credit for the comeback. And to me, it's like, 
the, the game was over and Marcus Smart started hitting bombs. And then all of a sudden it was exactly. 10 points. And when you're coming back from 20, which the Celtics team, unfortunately, has had a ton of experience with, you, it's got to be two runs. You got to get that one that gets around, gets it back to 10, and then you have to have the second run. And the first one was all Marcus Smart. But that's, I mean, that's what it's been like to watch this guy for three years. He Sometimes he looks like the worst player in the league. <laughs> and then other he's, times he does that. You know, he's a heart attack kind of player, but it, it was also that kind of game, and we've been to many of them, where it's the hump game. Can they get over the hump? They're, they're down 21. You know, they they closed it to like one or two, and and I think they might have even tied it, and then Cleveland went back up five. Yeah. And you just got the sense, if they could get a lead, we're pretty good when that happens, and finally that happened. Uh, they still missed. I rewatched it. The Cavs were up two, although I think it might have been one, but we didn't know it yet because we didn't know the Horford counted for three. The Horford three, yeah. But Love had a wide open sh- Horford missed a wide open shot for three. And then it came down in the other end. They swung it around, and Love had a corner three that he's made you know, for the entire series and for most of the season. And if he had made it, they would have been up five, although it would have cut back to four with like a minute and a half left. And he missed it. And it was... You know, it was a combination of the Cavs just just shot really well in this series, those first first two and a half games. Like they like right. Love had five threes in the first quarter. That's not something that happens often. And the Celtics I, I heard on the radio when I was driving I was driving my nephew home yesterday before the game. I was listening to the pregame show and Brian Winhorst said Brian, they had Brian Winhorst on the show and he said the Celtics had missed sixty one sh- op- wide open shots in the first two games. And that kind of confirmed, because I went to game one with you, we both felt like the Celtics had wide open shots the whole game. I didn't feel like the Cavs were playing that good defense. It was just, we were missing shots over yeah. and over again. They yeah, finally we, started going in. I don't think this Cavs defense is very good, is my point. Yeah, we, we did. I mean, we both said the same thing. We walked home after game one that because we only had one day between a pretty a grueling game seven against Washington in the opening of the Cavs series that are, it looked like the Celtics' legs were shot. A lot of those jumpers that they were making in, against Washington were hitting the front of the rim. And uh, and you're right, we missed an awful lot of open shots. We missed open shots in the first half last night. Yeah. And then su- suddenly we started making them in the second half. And the shots that Cleveland had been making, like that love three-pointer that I thought was sh- surely going in, uh, they they didn't go in. Um, yeah, cle- to be still, to be clear, it still came down. It still came down to that great ending. Uh, right. But ball, to be clear, ball. though, wait a second, though. To be clear, Cleveland's a better team, but the Celtics weren't. It was way more skewed than it seemed in those first two games because they were making everything, and the Celtics right. weren't making anything. And then on top of it, you had Isaiah who was out there who. You and I were so confused by these last few weeks because anyone who's watched the team all season pretty closely, like he's he's just been incredible offensively and specifically on drives, finishing drives, and this little twelve foot stop and pop shot that he had this year, where he would go in at the big guy and then do this little fall backwards jumper that he just deadly. this floater yeah. that he made all the time, and then right. in the in the. Uh, in both playoff rounds, and especially the Washington series, couldn't finish drives anymore. I thought I was wondering if he had like a fractured jaw or something and didn't want to get hit. 
because it didn't make sense because we'd watched him make those drives over and over and over again. All of a sudden, he wasn't making any of them. He wasn't making the stop and pop anymore. Goes into this next series, and they can't hide him on either end. I mean, he's an abomination offensively. Defensively, they're just torching him. And it got to the point where it's like they, they actually might be better off if he's not playing. We didn't know he was hurt, though. I had heard rumors no, of yeah, I'd heard rumors of it of that he had a hurt hip, but we didn't know. And then it comes out he has a tear in his hip. And listen, go Google that injury. Not you, but the people listening. Like that's a bad injury. Like that's an that's the injury that derailed Johnny Flynn's career. Everyone thinks Johnny Flynn's mm-hmm. a bust. We did a big piece about him on Grantland four years ago. He had that same hip injury, but never did anything about it and played on it for like a year. And ruined his career. Martel Webster, same thing. He, I think his career was never the same afterwards. Other guys have come back, like Marcus Aldrich had it, uh, Wilson Chandler's had it. But it's a it's a legitimate injury, and it, it to me it kind of fills in the blanks, right? Because we didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah, we. It, I mean, you and I talked about did he have a broken jaw? Because as you as you indicated, he was no longer going uh, to the basket with, with without any trepidation. He, he looked like he was turning off when he would get near the big men. And that little floater that he hit 90% of the time it yeah. came during the season suddenly was off. Uh, he, he wasn't he wasn't aligned properly. But we ne- I never thought it was the hip. I, I thought it was the mouth. Uh, but now doesn't it totally make sense? Because... Obviously, he uh, yeah, didn't want so, to get knocked down and fall on his hip. But you know, you know what makes it even when you think about it now, just so amazing that he had that fifty-three point game. Well, yeah, and the game, and the game seven, which the guys the last couple of days were talking about, like all the stuff he'd been through that he gave them the effort he did in game seven, and I mean that's that's a crazy injury to play with, and you know it's funny like these people that either haven't watched the team or the recency bias of the fact that the Celtics won last night. It's like, oh, they're better off without Isaiah. It's like Isaiah was never that good defensively, obviously. Um, he was always a liability, and te- the smartest teams always found ways to kind of make the Celtics pay for having him out there. But the flip side was that he was so great offensively that it balanced out, and you could live with his defense because offensively he was having one of the t- you know 10 best and most efficient seasons in the history of the guard position. So well, now you're compromising points a game, right? Yeah. But playing 34 minutes and shooting, you know, almost 50, 40, 90. So yeah. now you're compromising him and he's not having the same impact offensively. Now it's a disaster. And what you saw yesterday was the Celts were able to double down on D. I also think smart. And we saw it when Isaiah got hurt in December. Uh, some guys are just better with more minutes. Don't you think smarts? One of those guys, if he's going to play 40 minutes, I, I actually think he's he's better off and the team's better off. I mean, obviously, if Isaiah's out there, it's better for everybody. But to to just give him the job, I think, is a good thing for him. Well, I, I, I think, obviously, we're better off with Isaiah. But I totally agree. Smart doesn't seem to play hero basketball right. when he's getting lots of minutes. You put him in there for those six, seven-minute stretches three times a game and... It's as if he and Jay Crowd is the same way. It's as if they they have to score. They have to make that try to make that contested three point or jump shot. Whereas I thought he played a really smart, a really intelligent game last night. Yeah, um, he was in he control. Had, he had good. He he had assists. He had rebounds. He had steals. 
played really well defensively. I think he took one three-point shot that he probably shouldn't have taken to get four people guarding him. But otherwise, they were pretty open three-pointers. He was they, posting up. In. He he uh, he's posting up Irving and creating plays out of that, which is something that started earlier in the season. His defense was good. Like he fouled out in game one in like twenty minutes. Um, he was able to stay on the court, which I thought was big. And Stevens pl- finally started playing Jarebko a little bit, which you and I didn't. Jarebko's hit or miss, but Amar- right. Amir Johnson is just miss. There's no hit. He's just he's hit or miss without the hit. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Everybody was surprised that he didn't start uh, that he didn't start Jarebko over Amir Johnson. I, I mean, he tried everybody else, and yeah. uh, I, I I can't imagine we're going to see Amir again. Uh, it looks like he might have gotten hurt anyway, but yeah, he, gives, he brings them nothing in this series. Well, you they know, said, I don't like, know if you did, okay. you. did you see the free throw disparity last night? I figured you uh, might bring that up. Thirty-six to twelve seemed fishy for you. Oh my gosh, thirty-six to twelve, and we still won the game. It's, uh, I, I can't. I, I'd be. I would love for people to comb through basketball reference and try to find a, a plus 24 free throw on the road where you where you actually win it's 93 I, to 45 for the series in case uh in and, case you're and wondering. we were going to the basket it, it, yeah i mean i think but we took one more three-point attempt to something like that than cleveland so it's it's not like they were driving and they weren't taking threes it was pretty even and we were driving as consistently as they were and we and had they, 24 fewer. I, I don't get it. Yeah, they missed a lot of calls. They missed... Uh, Olenek had one like in the last three minutes where he went to get an offensive rebound, and LeBron just like clotheslined him, basically, right. and got the ball, and Olenek was like, what the hell? LeBron, they're never calling yeah. LeBron on that. But, uh, I remember that. But they were able to fight through it. What doesn't make sense, it's not like the Cavs have this massive post-up game or... You know that, or that it wasn't like they were flying to the rim last night. They shot, I think, thirty-nine threes. So Thompson was flying to the rim. Thompson was, uh, yeah. But yeah. you know, Thompson's one of those guys. They could easily call him for 18, 18 offensive fouls, right? His offensive rebounding move is just to slam the guys in the back. Which, if you watch, if you rewatch that tape, when I don't know why you would, um, not you, but just people listening. This one of the things the Celtics. They, they they tweaked a couple things in last night's game that were pretty obvious. One was that they just wanted LeBron to shoot threes. If they set the screen, they always went under. And if LeBron had the ball from far away from the hoop, they were they were very handsy with him and just mm-hmm. kind of pushing him and shoving him and trying to annoy him. But then when it actually came to the pick and rolls, they wanted him to shoot threes. And they always had guys that could switch. In game one, the one we went to, he was just constantly putting Olenek or Isaiah into the switch and then or whoever the Celtics didn't want. But they had enough good defensive guys out there that they could kind of solve that one. Um, but but the other thing they were doing uh, on defense was really boxing out Thompson. And C-Webb called it out a couple times too. Like Brad, There was one play where Bradley uh, had somebody was a high screen – he de- he defended the screen. It went to another guy. Got shot, and then Bradley like darted in just to bulldoze Thompson out of the way. And it's like Bradley played forty two minutes last night. He took twenty three yeah. shots. He guarded Irving most of the game. I mean, he was only eight for twenty three, but I thought he was spectacular in that game. And really, really, right. him and Smart really good. played hard. Right. So he, 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 
he's not making the jump shot like he did in the Washington series, but right. it, it, it seems like it's slowly coming back. Uh, he's a funny guy. We've watched him all year. If he doesn't have his legs under him, his jump shot is fairly useless. Right. And uh, so he had a good second half last night, and maybe that will continue tomorrow night. The, uh, uh, the foul shots, the one thing that was crazy was I think Horford was 7 for 18 field goal attempts. But they posted right. him up, I don't know, 11 times, 10, 11. How many times do you think they posted him up in that game? Yeah, at least ten, right? Nate didn't get. He didn't shoot one free throw. <laughs> that was. I, I, it was I like, know. wow, he not once he ever got fouled on one of these post ups. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I think Thompson. How many free throws did he have? Like, he had like fifteen. Or? He had fifteen last night. Some of them were, you know, oh. some of them were just he was really hustling. Uh, well, some of it legitimate. I remember when we were sitting at game one, and they were fouling him intentionally. I asked, "Is he a poor?" I didn't realize he was. He has a history of being a, four, a poor free throw shooter. He switched hands. But he, he he certainly made him. He switched hands, really. Yeah, he oh, switched he hands like after a second year. Uh, we got to talk about Stevens. He had. <laughs> I was watching the game with uh, a couple of people, including my kids, and every time we called timeout, like two minutes left, I was saying to them, "Like we score out of timeouts. This is what Brad Stevens does." They had three well, timeouts. Yeah, at the first game, we were sitting. We wish we had a hundred timeouts. Yeah, that was because we'd score ninety times. That was one of your things you said that I wished I could tweet. That if Brad Stevens had a hundred timeouts, we would be the greatest offensive team of all time. We we'd never lose. But he had three timeouts. He had three timeouts in the last two minutes, and the Celtics scored on all of the timeouts. And the second one yeah. was the one with Jarebko, who hadn't even been on the court for a while. And they ran, I urge everybody to go watch this play because there's a sneaky part of this play that I haven't seen anybody talk about yet. Smart inbounds the ball and it goes to Bradley and people remember Bradley goes flying into the basket. Four calves come down on him and he whips it out to Jarebko who's waiting there and he shoots, you know, and and it should have been a three, but his foot was on the line. With the part of that play that was amazing and it's definitely a foul, Smart inbounds the ball Kyrie's guarding Bradley. Bradley's about to make his move and Smart darts like basically straight ahead toward where Jarebko is and Bradley makes his move and it's got it has to be intentional because it was so brilliant that I refuse to believe it was an accident. Bradley basically runs him over like uh, almost like an offensive lineman and then that's why Bradley was able to go flying in there but smart it was it wasn't just an illegal moving screen it was like an illegal sprinting pancake screen and i don't know if it was intentional or it was designed that way or whatever but it worked uh and then the last play same thing they get they well, were able the to get the bradley play, thing when you watch the last play um jr smith I, and we're on the road I, I i think we were fortunate they didn't call horford on an offensive foul yeah the uh, moving screen he, was there the moving screen, he, he, he moved about three feet, and he took Thompson with him. I think if that was early in the game, that gets called. Uh, but that's the thing. is the, This has been the story of the playoffs is the Draymond Green moving screens. The Marcin Gortat in the last round, we were yeah. sitting there laughing. Like He wasn't just moving. He's actually grabbing. He's sticking his fingers out and pushing the people like a masseuse. Um but it just seems like every Tristan Thompson does it like as bad as anyone. Horford is way up there on the illegal moving thing. But it just seems like 
guys are doing it every play, and I don't, I don't think they even call it anymore. It's really rare to see it called, right? It is rare. I mean, but we should, as soon as I was during that play, that was what worried me because you could see Horford moving. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it was a beautifully designed play. But again, we, we, we love it when Brad designs a play out of a timeout. Um, I thought, you did expect- you think that was going to Bradley? I said in the room watching it, I was like, this is Bradley. It's they, it's Bradley curling around something with three seconds left. Because we've run that play before. I, I, I didn't know, and i tell you why. Because Bradley was six for 22 at that point. Right. Or No, eight for 20, whatever he was. I, I wasn't sure it was going to Bradley. I thought it would be something Horford in the post. Um, I so, wasn't sure. So you so getting swept and getting killed by this Cavs team would have really thrown the whole summer into flux, I think. And and now it's like yeah, yeah. now it feels like the universe. Now it's okay. It's like all right, we defended Celtic pride, won a game on the road. Now it's like all right, keep fighting and then see where it goes. Obviously, Cleveland's there's a ninety nine point nine percent chance they're going to win this series. And then uh, go into the summer and figure out what the future is, which we yeah, you can't know, figure the, out. You and I, there's a good Shaughnessy article in the Globe today. You and I don't, over the years, we don't always agree with what he writes, but I thought he hit the nail on the head today. And he talked about, obviously he's talked about Celtic pride. But he also talked about the importance of winning that game last night. You know, they, they, they've had such a good season, obviously. You win the first two rounds. You don't want to get swept. You, you know, you don't want that bad taste to go into the summer. Cleveland is better, a better team. We we know that. Um, they're probably going to win the series unless something miraculous happens with our, you know, consistent shooting. But we may take one more game. Um, I thought you were going to say something miraculous happens, like LeBron James and Kevin Love both get mononucleosis or something. No, if the, if the same LeBron James shows up uh, tomorrow night and Thursday night that showed up last night, I think we're in good shape. I don't know who that guy was. Wait, that wasn't the guy that that came to Game Six a couple of years ago and destroyed us. Hold that thought. I don't know who that was. Hold that thought. Quick break with a message brought to you by Creditwise from Capital One. You know what? Numbers are great. Whip, War, PR, a massive free throw disparity. But on their own, they don't tell the whole story. Credit isn't any different. With credit, it's all about how well you perform against the factors that go into a credit score. Let's break it down. How good are you at paying your bills on time? How much credit do you have spread across different accounts? How long have those accounts been open? Fortunately, my dad is married to my stepmother, who is the most type A person on the planet, and she has excellent credit. But some people don't. All of those factors impact your credit health. And since there's no one single score that lenders use, knowing these factors are key, there's a lot more that to your credit than just knowing your score credit-wise lets you track the factors that make up your credit health using information from your TransUnion credit report. The app can help you spot errors or identify theft and lays out information you need to understand your behaviors and how they impact your credit health. Plus, you can check it anytime without negatively impacting your credit. And the best part, it is 100% free for everyone. Whether you're a Capital One customer or not, step up your game. Download CreditWise today. Okay. Um, Let's talk about LeBron really quick, and then you have to go. Um, we've seen him play a couple of the best games I've ever seen anyone in my life play uh, in person. The, the, get the 2012 Game 6. Game right. 1, uh, 
on Wednesday night, he was outrageous. And I, it, you've had Celtics season tickets since the 1973-74 season, which is when, at that point, Kareem was the best player in the league. Um, that was, I think, Wilt's last season, Jerry West's last season. So you're going way back. You're going four and a half decades, basically. Where does he rank for you right now? He ranked second behind uh, Jordan. Uh, wow. I would high praise. Anytime we played Jordan, uh, I was I was scared. I'm not because LeBron throws you a game like last night. Yeah, I don't I don't put him in the same place right now, uh, and I'm not sure why. You know, physically he's superior in terms of the things he can do, but mentally. Um, you just can't have a game like last night. I mean, that team should have been on a mission. I mean, Golden State had just won the 11th in a row in the playoffs. Golden State should have taken that as a challenge, and LeBron should have come out and scored 39 points again. So I I, I can't put him above Jordan. I don't know about you. Do you feel the same way? When you say you can't have a game like that, you're now comparing him to like five people on the planet. You're not comparing him to normal people. No, no. Yeah, no. I see what, what you're saying. He's like, not, Jordan, you're, yeah, you're he, saying game three last night Jordan, with Jordan at his peak, Jordan's just, he's, he's... He doesn't have that game last night. Right. I don't think. Right. Um, he And he gets, he probably starts talking shit to Marcus Smart. Um, He's yelling at everybody. See, yeah. when we went to game one, uh, one of the reasons I was so impressed by how he played, it wasn't just like the stats and all that stuff. It was like the command of the court he has and, you know, the way he's yelling at the refs, he's bitching about every call. He's talk. He was talking to our bench. He's giving barbs to Stevens and some of the assistant coaches and he's yelling at his team. He was just so locked in that it just really felt like watching somebody at like just the peak of their powers, which is what makes last night, as you said, so weird. Because well, we he, just I watched think, this guy he, basically master basketball four days ago, and then he's, you know, he's like in this little weird funk. It was strange. Yeah, I think you you just raised it really well. He, I, he wasn't locked in last night. No. Uh, they, and and it's just kind of strange to observe that and to wonder why. Well, the problem for you us know? is that he's going to be locked in for game four, and he takes all this stuff yeah. personally. And uh, he's, he's like, "Oh, really? I'm not. I'm not." <laughs> I'm not as good as Jordan because Jordan would never done that. He's going to absolutely well, destroy the Celtics tomorrow. I, I, I'm hoping he doesn't listen to this podcast, by the way. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's listening. I don't think he's okay, listening. Okay, good. That's I, good. I did think Crowder did, a, Crowder did a better job with him. He was more physical with him. And there was, I got to be honest, I, I, I really wonder if the Celtics had a little deer in the headlights those first two games. They were not physical. They weren't talking shit. They weren't physical at all with LeBron. They acted like he was superior to them. They were not physical boxing out. They weren't flying to the basket. Um, I thought they. I thought they were exhausted. Maybe that you might know, have been part of it. Everything, everything you just mentioned really has to do with energy level, and you know, like the, the Cavs that had eight or nine days off. LeBron came out like he, like he had as much energy as any human being could possibly have. <laughs> And we look dead, you know. We well, just that's a, dead. that's a good point though, because now we're in game every other night mode, 
And that was the first. Right. They had played three games in five nights. They played Friday night in Boston, and you didn't have the same energy. And I do think, like, you know, LeBron on a week's rest is the, one of the scariest basketball things we've ever seen. It also, right. like, somebody was talking about this. Maybe it was Roger Sherman from The Ringer. Somebody on my Twitter feed was talking about if NBA players only play twice a week, you know, it was almost like the Premier League and soccer schedule, even in the regular season. Like, it was just like 55-game season or whatever. And LeBron had this kind of rest all the time. What kind of numbers would he put up? It's interesting. Well, I think the, the superstars would be immensely helped, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I yeah. mean, to me, part of being a superstar is how – the grind of the season, how you handle that. That's what separates the, the great, great, great ones from the not as great ones, you know? So like the fact, like he can play 75 of 82 games, but, but just the, the continuity of that for six months and he's still standing and now he's got to do it again for 10 weeks in the playoffs. And he's doing this year after year. That's to me, that's the case for him as if you're going to, if you're going to start talking about greatest ever, which I'm not ready to yet, the, uh, just him doing that for 14 straight years is the best case for him. I thought the announcers did a good job in the fourth quarter last night. They were talking about the last 20 games of the season, regular season for Cleveland, mm. and how they had a losing record and how uh, I think they they cited three different occasions where Cleveland had big leads and lost the leads in the fourth quarter. And it's exactly what happened last night. Um, but they aren't. So, they, they really aren't good defensively. I, my biggest takeaway from the series with just how the Celtics have played and they had not played well is how many open shots they had, and in the fact we, that we've had a, yeah a lot of open shots. It's yep. it's not like at one point in game two they were talking about how Cleveland was locking them down defensively. It's like I'm watching us just miss shots we've made the whole season, and if I'm right. Golden State and I'm watching these games. And I'm watching round one where Indiana averaged like 109 points a game. You know, it does seem like you can win these 115 to 110 type games. Yesterday it was 77-56. Halfway through the third quarter. And the Celtics ended up scoring, I think, almost 60 points in the last 18 minutes of the game. And, you know, when you start, it was because they started making the same open shots that they'd been missing. But... I, I really think that the Warriors, this is a great matchup for them. And they should beat this Cavs team. The X factor is LeBron. And the second X factor is the fact that Kyrie, who has been spotty, he was good last night. Um, for whatever reason, Kyrie loves playing Curry. You know, he, he, uh, he yeah. just, he, that's a great matchup for him and he thrives on it. So um, those would be the two. I have not been impressed with their bench guys, and their bench guys really hurt them last night. Corver has not been good. Um, yeah, they and they didn't even play Channing Fry last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not he, getting anything he, from their bench. Love, you know, I, I watched the first two series that Cleveland had, and Love really didn't do anything. He, he's hurt us. Yeah. He's making the shot. We're kind of leaving him open, and I'm not sure. We don't seem to be... Uh, a couple of times yesterday, he was making shots with a hand in his face, which well, was, which yeah, was crazy. One, one, but he, he had that crazy shot in the corner where Horford had his hand in his face, right? It's hard but, for me to believe. Uh, I, I do feel like they don't, you know, they have so many riches that it's it's maybe hard for them to choose sometimes. But man, when we're defending Kevin Love with Jarebko, 
or we have like Jalen Brown on him, or it's really hard for me to believe after having watched his entire career that he can't post those guys up. That just seems like that should be an automatic two points every time. But um, they've kind of marginalized him a little in the corner. And that's, that's you know. Right, they have. Listen, before I go, I wanted to give a shout out. I just finished Kevin O'Connor's article in The Ringer today. Yeah. And uh, he really did a, a nice, he did a nice job of laying out the Celtics situation, the predicaments we're going to have in terms of choices to be made, um, whether we're playing for the present or the future. Uh, what do we do with these pending free agents we have that I think most people aren't even aware of? Yeah, it, it, it's it's it, it's food for thought. It, it had me thinking, you know, what would I like to see them do? So, just would wow. recommend it. An organic ringer plug. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, okay. I agree with you. I don't know. Uh, I don't really know what the solution is, other than that Isaiah's injury is the big X factor now. Because if if he has to have hip surgery, I, it scares me. You know, he's Isaiah a, was fi- an a, X factor before. Before the injury, yeah, but you're talking what, two, what, yeah, two hundred million dollar contract for a five foot eight guy with a hip injury is is really frightening. As much as I love him, I mean that I'm that that is a complicated wrinkle that they were not expecting. I think they were exactly. I think they were all ready to take faults or whoever and kind of limp through the next year in, in with feet on both sides of the barrel, try to sign Gordon Hayward. Bring Zizic over, but if Isaiah well, has to have all, surgery I now, that, I don't know. I think that's still all in play. I think more than ever, it seems like they want they should want to take faults more than ever. They should be looking at Gordon Hayward. It's but but you, again, you have the Isaiah and Avery Bradley coming up at the exact same time, and Marcus is going to be restricted. Yeah, and and what do you do with Jay Crowder? So, well, I know what you do, with Jay Crowder. Of, I'd, uh, I'd, I, I would it. hope that he enjoyed his new location. Yeah, you like Jay Crowder. You just he, play, he, he played. He played good defense last night. He, he was good. The problem. Yeah. If you were the GM and you were trading Jay Crowder, you would just call him and be like, "Jay, I think you're a very good basketball player. I just can't watch you take any more contested threes. I'm at my limit. I'm at capacity. Yeah. I can't do any more." <laughs> maybe of this. I should write him. A, maybe as a fan, I should write him a letter and tell him I. I, I love his game, except... Yeah. Um, Dear Jay, yeah. please stop shooting contested threes. <laughs> really? I've been really? watching basketball at these games since 1973, and every time you shoot, I gasp out loud. Um, <laughs> but you know what he has... I've noticed last all, all three of these Cleveland games, and did in Washington, too. If he fakes the three and then goes in and takes the 15-foot jump shot, he really has a good shot. Right. But he... I don't. There's something that must attract. He needs his feet. Players. Yeah, he needs his feet set. Smart has the same problem. Exactly. If he's set, he's a different guy. So you would would yeah. you trade the number one for number three, Sarich and the Lakers unprotected pick next year? No. Wow. No. I think. I, oh my god. No, I think the. I think the Lakers are going to be better next year. You don't so like Sarich? I'm not sure what. You like Sarich? You told me you like Sarich. I, I like him. But, you want to move back two spots uh, and get Sarge out of it? I don't. Th- I'm not saying Philly would do it either. But well, think about it. Mull it over. Well, I've well, mulled it over, and it. it, it I, I'd rather give up nothing and sign Gordon Hayward. 
Okay, there you go. I'd, My dad. I'd, I'd ra- yeah, I'd rather have Gordon Hayward through his emissary secretly telling the Celtics, we're all set. We, we can't announce it, but we're all set before the draft. Okay. Gordon, okay. if you're listening, get on that. Send us a signal. Send okay. us a smoke signal. Okay. Dad, uh, you're going to game five, right? You're going to go? You're going. You're going to go to game five. Go to game five. You're going to game five. The outcome tomorrow, the outcome tomorrow night. No, don't, don't be the old guy. I know the late starts are killing you, but we'll see you at game five. Thanks for coming on. All right. Talk All right, to you later. Bye. All right. I wanted to talk about Quip. That's the new company that's refreshing the way people brush their teeth. Having good oral health impacts your overall health, and yet most of us don't brush our teeth properly. 75% of us don't refresh our bristles. I mean, really, what's better than refreshing your bristles? Or visit the dentist on time. You don't need a big, expensive toothbrush to get the oral care you need either. Quip is an electric toothbrush that packs premium vibration and timer features into an ultra-slim design. Half the cost of bulkier brushes, almost like Apple designed a toothbrush but without Apple's big price tag. Just for the record, I've been on the uh, electric toothbrush bandwagon forever, and I have great gum health. Quip is backed by leading dentists and was named as one of Time Magazine's best inventions of 2016. They won a 2016 GQ Grooming Award, made on an Oprah's 2017 New Year's O-List. Quip toothpaste tastes fresh, strengthens teeth, and gives your mouth the perfect clean feeling. Quip starts at just $25. Subscribers receive new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month plan for just $5. Includes free shipping. All you have to do is go to getquip.com slash BS for your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Tate, do you have have an electric toothbrush? I do. I really don't understand why anybody would not have an electric (laughs) toothbrush. I love electric toothbrushes. Quip sent me one. I am excited to have it in my life. Thank you, Quip. And that's it. All right, here comes Hassan Minaj. All right, Hassan Minaj is here in studio. Big Netflix comedy special coming. How did you film? It's coming May tomorrow. Tw- May 23rd. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how you filmed it because it looked like the camera was in. I, w- I was watching the, uh, yeah. the ad for it. It looked like the camera was in front of you. We got but yet it. You were in an audience. We got it on like we, our director Chris Store like pulled a Birdman. He like put the camera on. We took a, a lot of inspiration from that because it's a lot of like personal stories about me, my dad growing up, you know, immigrant story and stuff like that. And a lot of it's super intimate. So when I did it off Broadway, there's those moments where, where it gets super quiet. Yeah. And I remember I was like, how are we gonna get this to translate? Because comedy specials, they play in the wide and they have a semi-tight. Right. But I'm like, how am I going to get this to like... In a stool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like one spotlight. Yeah. So to me, I was like, how am I going to get this to play? And Chris was like, uh, who did he, he also directed Bo Burnham's special, which was great, Make Happy. He's like, we, we'll bring the camera on stage and do the whole, like there's even like a Michael Bay effect that happens where I'm performing and... It just goes around me, and the, I, I I didn't know if it would trans, but the audience was like they were with so it. So the were audience coming. wasn't freaked out. Like Mandy, you were there, right? Cameraman yeah, walking in front of you, the, basically. The, like the what did the audience uh, think? The audience is, is they can't hear her. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Manny, Manny said, <laughs> Manny said the audience was fine. Yeah, they were just okay. Maybe part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. Because I was wondering, watching the uh, the preview, yeah, if you tape, 
if you taped it a second time for the close-ups. Oh, That's no. That's how cool it looked. No, we did it. Very innovative. I predict I predict some awards buzz. Really? Yeah, for like That's uh, big. best, That's best big, show directing or something. Like, um, I was like, how the fuck did they do this? You know, but the thing that I that we thought about was like, how many times in a comedy special do you see personal tell said joke, they'll cut to audience for laughter. Yeah. But to me, some of the best specials. When you when you watch Dave or you watch Pryor, the best specials are when they cut and people are just listening or thinking or like reacting in real time or masturbating. Yeah, masturbating. Yeah, <laughs> just jerking <laughs> off and yeah, just a man vigorously pumping. Just cut to that. Um, Cocktails. Yeah. yeah, no, I do like that. But you know, so it's like it, 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 like there's a lot of moments in the show that just breathe. So I'm like, cover that. Like, just have that. Yeah. And when you're per- when you're doing a show like that. Yeah. So how long was it? Like seventy minutes. 80 seventy minutes. minutes. Yeah, seventy two. Yeah. How how do you have it so that in your head you're not even thinking about? Because I have a bad memory for remembering point A, point B, point C, point D. Really? Like how do you lock that down so that you're it's just, like a, you're hitting every single mark? Like, is there a point where you you might screw up? Like at the forty five minute? Oh shit! I said that joke. So I got to go back. Or, yeah, or but do you what, just go. What's cool about theater is that you're given way more leniency. Than actually the stand-up set because if if I was doing a traditional set with like the mic and I didn't have the screens and all that stuff, it would be like I have to get so many jokes per minute or they'd be like, yeah. oh he's losing them, you know what I mean? Right. Whereas with this, it was just like we're in the story. It's stories. They're like a, co- a, co- a collection of like you know three to four stories that link up together and there's a thread that connects them all. But if I'm if there's something that's organically happening in the moment or I'm recalling something, and also by that point. I had toured it around. I'd done it off Broadway. I'd done it around the country, like 40 plus cities. So it was so locked doing in. doing your sleep at that point. Yeah, yeah. It was like locked in. The The rush of it was doing in my hometown. Yeah. Like bringing it back to the place where all the stories happened, where, you know, my family first got, came there. And that was like, that was the, oh shit. That was like the, the special, you know, that X factor that made you just feel that extra emotion there that night. What did you say Comedy Central was? Because you're in The Daily Show. You said uh, oh. Comedy Central is the feeder system to Netflix oh, or the yeah, internship? Yeah. Internship program for Netflix. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. They were at the dinner. Was like, Comedy Central yeah, they were there. They are like, what the fuck, dude? Like, like, I, they were sitting at the table with my family. So when I did that joke, you could see Kent Alterman and Sarah Babin. I'll be like, nah, oh, come on. <laughs> like, their heads cocked back. Because... You know, they don't like it. Was a li- it's a little on the nose, you know. So it's yeah. just like, uh, like you know. And then, well, so it's on the nose now that Netflix is throwing right. money at every comedian, like, dude, basically trying to buy the corner. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get the. You missed out. I no, 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 were, I didn't get the. You missed out of the, the t-shirt Chappel- cannon with the money, Ch- the Chappelle deal. <laughs> no, no, no. They have like the like th- they have like that's the the NFL, and I got like the XFL deal. Like, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but it's still you know, hey, yeah, it's still a deal. Look, man. It's cool that, and it's also in like 150 countries. What's wild is that they were just like, all right, we're going all in on stand up. And that's, there was a, a period of time in the last few years with everything streaming, I was like, what's going on? So, like, there's three specials a year on HBO. There's maybe like five or 10 on Netflix. Like, there's all these great stand ups. Yeah. What happens to their specials? And then they were just like, all right, no, we'll, we'll quadruple down and we're going to do this like every couple weeks. We're going to showcase it. It is an amazing shift. Yeah, because like uh, in like the '90s, HBO yeah. the Young Comedian special, yeah. which was one of my favorites. How and big like, was that at like breaking 
I, I mean, I was a nerd with this stuff, so yeah. it was super important for me. I don't know if it was like in the mainstream. As a Boston dude, were you like, oh shit, that's Kevin Meany? Like, oh man, like yeah, like the, like this is like a guy from like my like, and he's coming up. And I usually w- I cared more about because Letterman was really the place. Initially, it was Carson, but in the eighties, it was Letterman. Wow. So you knew some of these guys from they would go on Letterman early, early. Yeah. And then the young comedians kind of became the new place to, and then that lasted. There were some. I mean, do you remember growing up and really sticking around from eleven fifty nine p.m. to stick around to like twelve fifty? Because they put up the comic last to be Letterman. Like, yeah, right. Because they I do was, they do monologue act one act two and then they would do well, it was twelve thirty, so it was even worse. Oh, so it was shit. like one thirty. Yeah. Um, I I was one of the first people that had VHS. And you record it. It was like, I'm talking like 82. I mean, yeah. I guess more people had it back have you then. Talked but it felt to, have like you talked a to Judd thing. about this? Apatow was like a super, Judd, yeah. yeah, super nerd about this so stuff. I, I would tape Letterman. Yeah. And then in the morning, my mom would make whatever. Uh-huh. And I would just watch the first 15 minutes of Letterman and uh-huh. then come back and watch the rest. Oh, wow. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to stay up. I was only like 13, 14, 15 at that point. So, what was a. Uh... But yeah, the comedian. But that's how yeah. I knew who Jerry Seinfeld was. So, when Seinfeld came into Stanford, which is where I went to high school, yeah, yeah. Um, it was like 87. I was like, we got to get Seinfeld's coming. Yeah. My, my mom was like, who's who? Jerry Seinfeld? I was like, this guy that Letterman has on all the time. Like, right. Because he was breaking, and he was all doing like dudes. it like six or seven times. He was doing it a ton, right? Oh yeah, Leno yeah. was on every six weeks. Like nobody knew who Jay Leno was until he was going on Letterman. Which See, was I the only, irony of how I only know out. denim up top and up bottom. Leno, like I don't know Leno. Like apparently he was like an edgy. Leno was young comic. Leno right? was Letterman's best guest. It's, really? It's, it really? Like, yeah, everything that good that happened on Leno uh-huh. was because of his Letterman appearances. Oh really? It's, it's seriously. He was like the crowd would go crazy. Yeah, he had this running bit called "What's My Beef." And all right, and Letterman would be like, all right, Jay, let's hear it. What's your beef? And uh-huh. Jay would be like, well, you mean what's sticking in my craw? And he'd do this whole thing. <laughs> right, right. And uh, so he had him. He had Seinfeld. Uh-huh. Michael Keaton, who was acting, but would come on and basically do comedy. He'd and stand he had up the, too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, did, he had all these regulars. But uh-huh. then it was the comedian special. Then it, in the 2000s, it became the Comedy Central specials. Right. Premium blend and half hours. Yeah, and, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then it eventually led to... Um, this Netflix boom, which I, w- I would say is the most successful iteration of I it. I think we're, I think it's like a hundred and what'd you say? 150 48, countries? something like that. 150 countries. Yeah. And obviously it's doing well. Cause if you go to Netflix, there's yeah. always comedy specials and like yeah. the premier real estate yeah. spots, but the which thing, is where you're going to be. The thing is you got to think now is what are you going to do to innovate within the space? That's why for me, like first special, I wanted it to be like one, like the one man show format, like yeah. on a stage set designs, like Really plan it out, like, because you have their attention for a week. Because then in, next week it'll be like Tracy Morgan or Maria Bam. It'll be the next comedian. So yeah. you want to kind of, when you have that moment, be like, all right, well, what are you gonna say? You know? Yeah. It's the same thing with the dinner. It's a rare time when you have like the nation's and the world's attention for like twenty minutes. I thought you were hilarious about how you were talking about all the people that got passed up for it. Jesus Christ! Everybody passed on it. <laughs> like. Every, but there's the, it's, you know, it's so funny. It reminds me of sports. You know how like people are like, how did Kawhi, like how did so many people pass up on Kawhi? He was this guy who played for what, San Diego State or something yeah. like that. It's one of those things. It's just like James Corden passes. Alec Baldwin insists that he has to do it as Trump. Kevin Spacey wants to did do Alec it as Trump. Did really insist <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, Kevin <laughs> Spacey, <laughs> Kevin Spacey wants to do it as Frank Underwood. And, and so then like, people, you know, my agent was like, your name's being thrown around. And I'm like. I know where I'm at on the totem pole. Yeah. So it's just like, I'm second round. But you're round. young though. Yeah. What are you, 31? Yeah, but I'm also, I also don't have a show. The pedigree is usually Conan, 
yeah. Kimmel. Um, you know, Larry had a show like Cecily Seth Myers. Been, did Seth Myers, Cecily yeah. Strong had been on the SNL for a while. So it's one of those things where I was kind of a newcomer. I did the congressional correspondence dinner the year before. Yeah. And I did this big, big speech on gun control because it was coming out of Orlando. And, you know, no bill, no break was a big topic in, in Congress. And that kind of put me on the map a little bit. But I knew where I fell. I was like, oh, I'm the last call on the list. But um, did, did, did you have a feeling that Trump was kind of hoping this dinner wouldn't even happen? Well, by him pulling out, the narrative was he pulls out. Then he sends, you know, Lord Voldemort tells the Death Eaters, you can't show up. So the entire administration pulls out. Mm. Then the public narrative is like, oh, the event's not going to happen. But it's been going on since 1921. And a lot of people don't know this. The White House Correspondent Association is a group of journalists who cover the White House. Yeah. They don't work. They're not King Joffrey's goons. Like, they don't work right. for the White House. And the, the dinner's actually really great. It, it, like, they give uh, scholarships to young journalists. Woodward and Bernstein were being, like, honored. They spoke. Like, it's a legitimately very good thing. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with the pre- The president goes as a sign of good faith to be like, I can take a joke. I'm honoring f- the freedom of speech and freedom of press. But he's a baby, so he doesn't. he can't take a joke, so he, he pulls out. So the narrative that the public had was, oh, the event's not going to happen because it's it's the it's the president's dinner, which is completely false. It's not. Yeah. Um, and then I was put in a kind of an interesting situation where it's like Sam then announced after Trump announced, oh, we're going to do the not the White House correspondence dinner. Or she actually announced, I think, before. Yeah. That it, she was going to do this anti-event to Trump, which kind of makes sense because he's such a narcissist. That if celebrities showed up to the dinner, he'd be like, look at me, like I got George Clooney here, Kerry Washington, they obviously love me. So I, I understood that. So then it so was- So you we- felt like that that hurt yours a little bit? Uh, well, it, I was put in a weird situation Brand where- Brand confusion. Yeah, exactly. If I show up, am I crossing some sort of picket line against her? But I called Sam and Sam was like, go for it, like do it. Um, and I knew they were kind of in panic because I got the gig three weeks before. And you usually oh, wow. get it. Yeah, like they were panicking, man. Like- you usually get the call three months before. Yeah. So three weeks before, they're like, do you want to do it? So I call Sam and I'm like, hey, look, like we're all Daily Show alumni. Like, you know, we're, I'm at the Daily Show. She's alumni. It's like, uh, I'm on the same side as you. Like, and she's like, do it. I call Larry. Wilmore. Wilmore's like, look, think of it this way. You can throw bricks outside of the building. You can throw bricks within the building. So he's like, tag team it. Like, just you do your thing there and she does her thing outside of it. But do it. And so uh, that was super cool. And then I was like, all right, I got to figure this set out in three weeks. I think it was a good idea that you did it. Yeah? Yeah. Well, for me... The, different, the, for, di- different audience. Get your name out there. Yeah. The monologue was good. It was so a monologue or is it... What do they call it? 20, it was like 25 minutes. A speech? Speech? I, I guess. I don't know. Presentation. Did you, did you write for Kimmel's when he did it? No, I did not. I Jimmy did not. was like sweating up there. It's a tough gig. It, it's, it's a nerve wrack. It's a weird room. It's he a, said it was... Uh, he said it was really hot when he did it. Oh, which is, that why, is that why he was like, he was yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. you're all wearing tuxes too. And yeah. If, it, if, tu- if the heat in the place gets beyond a certain place, it's like a fire retardant suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I had, I had a friend. Have I was you been to the wedding. dinner before? No, I've never been. It's weird. It's a bizarre. And you're going to their party. You're up last, 1030. Yeah. It's going on for like for hours two and, and, and a half hour. hours at that point. The other thing for you is like Obama was such an asset at those dinners. Yeah. You know, he yeah. he could keep the crowd going in the middle. And he would crush. And he was always good. He, he would was, do 30. He's like crush. a borderline stand-up comic. I would say better, man. Yeah. Because in terms of that specific gig, he's tailor-made for it. Charismatic, charming, funny, quick, great order. 
and he can do bits, like game over. There's yeah. I, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a comedian who could follow him in that room. Yeah. Then his last year, he crushes that. His finale set. His last one was the best. I don't know. I don't know if I could have followed it. So for me, the, the narrative. I miss him. Yeah, yeah. He was I, cool. I'm not even saying I miss the politician. I right, just right. kind of miss the Obama. Oh, the guy? See? Yeah. I just miss the fam. Yeah. They're a know. great first family. They really were. They enjoyed yeah. it. It was like the, it, they were like a sitcom family that didn't have a sitcom. Very much so. Yeah. The and, wife, they, they, you could picture like she definitely gave him shit behind the scenes <laughs> yeah, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Probably like he put on two pounds. She's giving him shit about right, it. Oh, Barack. Right, right, right. Maybe and then we gotta like, go on a diet. This episode week. three or four, he's like smoking in the backyard and like, <laughs> yeah. stop smoking. I can't. Oh, that was episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sasha and Malir just like, I caught dad smoking. Like, there's that moment. That was definitely the pilot. There's that. Yeah. I mean, there's a I lot of great dad stuff. smoking might have been the name of the show. Right, right. Uh, dad, tell me about how you met mom. It's like, well, back in the day, actually, <laughs> she was a partner at the firm and I was trying to, like, you know what I mean? Then you need right. a flashback sequence. There it's a young Barack. Yeah yeah. 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 How many how many times have you been offered some sort of show, like sick? any of that stuff after the dinner you're, it's weird man it's like I finished the dinner I didn't know how it went until I because I never felt like I had the room you get these pockets you get all that's what Kimmel rooms. said the same thing yeah. you don't feel like you have the room because it's it's there's too many different agendas going yeah. on you don't have it yeah I knew up top when I did the USA Today joke and they were like ooh I was like yeah. Over USA Today. Yeah. And I remember I wrote it. I, Wait, tell the joke. I know the joke. Uh, for the audience. USA Today is here tonight. Um, oh, no, no, no. It's amazing. We have some of the greatest journalists in the world. And yet when we all checked into the Hilton, we all got a USA Today. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, oh. like, like, it was like, oh, like that. Like, it was like a world star level. Like, no. And then um, it was like every time a USA Today slides underneath my door, it's like they're saying, hey, you're not that smart, right? Right. USA Today is what happens when the coupon section takes over the newspaper. <laughs> and at that point, they were just like, too far. Like, yeah, uh, we wow. got to write a think piece about this. <laughs> oh Why Hassan Minaj's jokes about USA Today are problematic. Like, it felt like that. Like, you you are USA Today phobic. How I was God. like, Jesus. And you know, what's interesting is I worked with my head writer, Prashant, and I worked with John Mulaney on it, too. And Mulaney had written for Seth Meyers's. Yeah. And Mulaney told me, he's like, look, man, up top, you got to lube it up a little bit. You got to... Just some layups. Lube it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you're about to ram it later, yeah. you know? So it's just like, just ease in, man. Warm up, stretch. Like, yeah. right-handed layups, left-handed layups. Like, ease it in. So I was like, US Today will be so, like, easy. Then I'll do CNN. Right. Right? Then I'll get to, like, the, the harder stuff later. When I got the groans up there, I'm like, all right, strap in. Like, this is, this is going to be the rest of the night. Yeah. I knew that if I could get around to home base, defending freedom of speech is a bipartisan position. So like whether you're a, a bleeding heart conservative or liberal, you're going to just be like USA, USA yeah. about like Indian American Muslim kid being like, and that's why freedom of speech is and we're one of the greatest countries in the world. Only in America can an Indian American Muslim kid get on this stage and make fun of the president. Everyone's like, yeah. So if I could get to that, I was like, I'll get the room. But the 21 minutes before that, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I didn't know that I had the room until, yeah, then I was just like, thank you and good night. And then when people stood up, then I was like, this is yeah. unbelievable. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe that. And then um, it was weird. Then the Illuminati called when Ann, Anna Wintour was like, do you want to go to the Met Gala? I was like, all right, this is this is getting weird. That was weird. that was like the next day. And Did I'm you like, go? Yeah, that was weird. Surreal. Celeb studded. Yeah, it was the opposite of what the White House Correspondence Dinner was. No yeah. celebrities were at the dinner. And then, White House like, Celebrity Dinner is more like, 
guys wearing suits that have coffee spilled on them <laughs> right, right, right. for the most part in yeah. some tuxes. Yeah. But I actually know the characters. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's like Jake Tapper. Like, yeah. working at The Daily Show, I know the characters in the room. I'm like, oh, yeah. Glenn Thrush. Oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I know the. So people make fun of it, but I'm like, yeah, I know these guys. I want to talk about the Kings, but first, quick break to talk about Legacy Box, a simple and affordable way to get your recorded moments digitally preserved on DVD or thumb drive. If you're like most Americans, there's a box in your closet of videotapes, film reels, photos that you haven't watched or taken out in forever. Worse, guess what? They're deteriorating. Film gets worse and worse over the years. I have a closet filled with videotapes from high school and college. Might include some incriminating moments of some of my friends. I should be protecting these things. I need ammo on these guys, even though we're all old now. It's always good to have ammo. Here's how easy it is. Load Legacy Box with your old tapes, films, pictures, audio recordings. Send it back. You'll get them back in a couple weeks on DVD or a convenient thumb drive. Ready to watch, share, or relive. Legacy Box takes care of everything, provides updates at every step of the process. That's why over 250,000 families have used them. The Huffington Post, Parents Magazine, USA Today are all talking about Legacy Box. Find out why I don't let your crappy videotapes decompose in your attic go to legacybox.com slash bs to get a 40 percent discount on your order that is legacybox.com slash bs let's talk about the sacramento kings yeah that's your team i never get a chance to talk about the sacramento kings with anybody we have a fan in the office at the ringer riley yeah oh yeah dude um we get shat on all the time, and I got into a big argument with Larry Wilmore about this, but I'm talking about the O2 Well, West he's Park. got the Laker fan superiority You know complex. what, though, man? It's just like... They don't even take the Kings people, seriously. People are just like... People don't give us enough for the O2 Western Conference Finals. And, that the, and the shafting that happened? Yeah, we got fucked, man. Yeah, you did. I, I was writing and about it at think, the time on ESPN. No, but people think it's conspiracy theory, but you look at the way the narrative unfolded, and I had to write this down. I was like, I have to remember, because this is like, this is wrong. That was such an egregiously bad officiated game that I remember where I watched it. We win 61 games. Yeah. We go up 2-1. We're great. We're, we're looking great. Game four. You're or, up by 20 in game yeah, four. Game four, Ori shot. Classic Sacramento. Ori shot on a miss, and Vlade taps it back out. And by out, the way, by the the way ball, that's the right, right the play. That's the, when Vlade tapped it out, get the ball out of there. Clear it. It's just... Kismet And the luck. irony of it is it was like the greatest possible pass you ever could have given Robert Horry. Yeah. He taps it to him. It's it's chest high, right where he can catch it. His feet are set. It's, yeah. He doesn't have to go left yeah. or right. It's like perfect. Perfect. And that's where you believe like, oh, is there, is there karma with sports when you see That's like when that. you're just like, oh, yeah, uh, God hates Sacramento. Like, yeah. in that moment, you're just like, this is the worst. Yeah. Game five, Bibby shot. Bibby. I, it re-ignites like, my faith. Big balls for Bibby that whole playoff. Huge the balls. Least afraid guy in the team. In that game five moment solidified. Remember, you got to understand, you know, we had trade away, traded away white chocolate. So there yeah. was this whole narrative of just like, we went safe and it paid off. It's like, yeah, he can hit a 17 footer. And we ran the play and he hit it and it was beautiful. We go to game six and that's, to me, that's the egregious highway robbery situation. It was because outrageous. Was it 27 free throws? They shot 27 free throws in the fourth. I'm, someone on Twitter is going to get at me about this. But it was, they would average 20-something for the whole game. The the Kobe-Bibby elbow. Near the end. Like yeah. Like 30 seconds left. And these are the, and look, I argued with. It was a street fight. Yeah. But the Kings weren't fighting. 
because they were just getting hit by two by fours. And yeah, almost. it was and terrible. I, and I and I argue with with Larry about this, where he's just like, you still miss free throws, and champions fi- champions find a way to win. But I think there's always that tipping point for every team that's on the come up where Kismet has to be on your side a little bit. You got to get these little breaks. Game seven, another f- forgotten moment. Chris Webber gets that technical for arguing with the ref in regulation. How many situations in a game seven situation do you technical? The, LeBron would never get that call. Kobe would never get that call. No. Like for arguing with Tim Donahue or whoever. Webber was one of the five best players in the league at yeah. this point. Yeah. We go into overtime, we lose. So here's my counter to all of this. And by the way, I'm on your side. I think you got completely robbed in game six. Uh-huh. And I think the Kings were better that year. We win the championship. We play the Nets and we win. Yeah, you beat the Nets. Yeah. Game seven was in Sacramento. Yes. You got to take care of business in game seven at home. They didn't. There were two big shots. I think Peja had a wide open three. Hito, Hito also whiffed like a big shot too. What? Yeah. Pe- Turkaloo. No, Christy whiffed on, a, on one too. But yeah. the Peja one is like, that guy was one of the best three point shooters the in the guy. league at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just whiffed on it. And yeah. it was like all these guys around the peripheral guys that you need in a playoff series. Right, right, right. None of them could come through when it mattered the most. And C-Web was terrified. I, I studied that series pretty closely when I wrote my book. C-Web, like Bibby he was- He got shook. Bibby was the guy who's like, I got this, guys. And C-Web was just kind of, the numbers don't totally reflect what it was like to watch it because C-Web was amazing. You know what I feel like? like, come on, C-Web. You, you, you can get whatever shot you want that against these guys. That happens with guys who stat stuff. You know, there's guys who always line up, like when you look at the stat line, yeah. they're great for fantasy. But there's always this intangible X factor. I think you talk about it in the book too, where it's just like, there's no statistic for that of just like uh, they you know make it's it called? happen. It's called who's clutch. It's called who's scared right now. But it's why that Paul George, you know that that Gatorade commercial they have right now, the Paul George flow one. He's not a clutch player, so that Gatorade commercial is a farce. We're, right when they when they when they cut, <laughs> yeah. he's like yeah, and they, and they <laughs> right. play and they play a uh, tribe right, and it's right. like no, you're not clutch. Right, you've actually never hit a game winner, so this whole thing is a farce. Right. That's a thing that like the the internet like the the fantasy nerds don't realize. There's this like X factor which and I hate saying this that Kobe had. He would get the ball, you'd be like, "Fuck. He's going to make this this shot." Melo kind of has it too. He was he had a couple years where he was really clutch. He would be the guy who could hit a big fourth quarter shot or a game winner. He was like really good at that. So we didn't have that guy. I always I love game 7s cuz and I went to I was lucky enough to go to one on Monday when the Celtics played the Wizards. Yeah. And you really, you really know. You can just tell. You watch it, and it's like, who wants to be here? Who's not afraid? Like I was really impressed by on the Wizards. Like Bradley Beal was not afraid. Yeah. Otto Porter not afraid. Yeah. And Wall stepped up. To John you. Wall. Yeah. He almost wore himself out. He yeah. wanted it so bad. He was like dead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But I thought it was encouraging for them. And then on my team, you know, Marcus Smart shows up. Really, yeah. when it matters the most. Yeah. Crowder, Bradley, Hort- yeah, yeah, guys yeah. that were just like, okay. We got this. We don't care if it's game seven. You know what was... And the Kings, it's like, you look back at that series. Peja wasn't ready yet. He was young. Christie wanted no part of those shots and was never really a good was shooter never, anyway. Was, was yeah. never great. He was like a, a diet, diet Pepsi version of Scottie Pippen but that, with like that way weakness, less skill. Right. Yeah, isn't that the yeah. weakness of that team, though? No, but we had Bobby Jackson. We had a, we had right. a, Bobby Jackson was not scared. He's fucking... And he right. was great. He was tiny. Yeah. He actually had kind of that like... IT4 fire of yeah. just like I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna do the layup and I'm gonna go for the steal like he just didn't care um, the thing that that bothered me a little bit about C-Web was yeah like there wasn't that 
Garnett, like, give me the ball. Remember when Garnett was in, was in his prime? Just like, give me the ball and well, I'm going to operate. head to head in yeah. 04. Yeah. yeah. You know what bothers me too, also, is you talk about it in the book, is I actually think this we lose that series and then the next year we win 59 games, but Weber gets hurt. And it's it's That's the beginning the it's beginning the beginning of the end. Yeah. And when you're a small market franchise, you need these years where it all lines up. Boston had that in 08, where it's just like you went to war with the Lakers, but you came out, <sighs> so it all became worth it, and you could retain the team for a little bit longer. Dallas beating the Heat, same sort of thing. It's like you're not going to go up to impress the red button and blow up the franchise. And I wish. I, O two to me was a critical year. Could have won too. That was the year the Spurs won. It was basically just Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili were pretty young. No, but Robinson Weber, was Weber up. gets hurt. Injuries That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. three. Like if if yeah. Weber stays healthy that year, that could have been the year too. Yeah. O four. He comes back. I'm a he big blows window up believer. Yeah. You had you had a th- three year window because O one the Lakers were just ridiculous. But they they killed the Kings. But post Jordan. What team is better in that 98 to 2004 window than the Sacramento Kings? One of the most exciting teams ever. We had the white chocolate years, which well, is the come up. The Lakers. the Lakers did win. Oh, right, right. The yeah, La- yeah. But like, as like an elite team, that's yeah. like, and to me, I, I would see what the Suns would do later. And then what the Warriors are kind of doing now, like doing now, that they had that in the early 2000s. I'm kind of seeing the, the other- 2.0 and 3.0 versions of that now. Yeah, the other thing that was cool about that Kings team, which people, as as the years pass, it kind of fades, is the league was so, it was like all the hero ball, the MJ era led to the hero ball era. Yeah. All these guys just clear out, I got this, I got this. And everything was one-on-one or like just throw the ball to low post. Shaq, yeah. who you had to foul to stop and the refs yeah. called her, they didn't. But then the Kings were actually guys who were back cuts and back cuts, Vladdy around break. the back. Yeah, yeah they were just it was fun. great. And the, yeah. league, the league really needed them. And they all played off of each other. Yeah. It was really great. And believe it or not, that era, now we're all in like Mamba memory. Like he was the, that team was really Shaq's team. He was, oh yeah, he was eating people alive. Just fucking just swallowing the trailblazers, just dunking all over people, just four people grabbing him, destruction, just massacres yeah. in the key. And he was in shape and he was big. He was That's like what really in game big. six, the Kings were, were guarding him a certain way. Yeah. And then in game six, the refs were just like, no, it's a foul. Yeah. But they had already established a certain level of contact with Shaq. And the reality is Shaq was so unstoppable at that but it point. Bro- I, think, I think going into game, game seven and it was at home, it just broke our spirits. I agree with that. Like it definitely had put a pall over game seven. Yeah. But it was still like, man, that, that, that Lakers team was ready to be beaten. Even Phil Jackson, I interviewed him once and I asked him about that that year and he was like, that was the one year we probably There's a chink we in probably the armor, pulled, so to speak. Yeah, we pulled You think Phil Jackson pulled it out of our ass a little You think bit. Phil Jackson is the hype around him is is warranted? I just think he's an old guy who shouldn't run a team. Like, no, but he's my dad's age. But I don't he, think but my he, dad should run a team. But he's but Auerbach did that, didn't he? It wasn't Auerbach like super old and he was running a team and you know what back I mean? then it was like he he was like the trainer too. <laughs> he like five he's stretching, he's like stretching Coach Bill GM, Russell out yeah. as he's like smoking a cigar. He's the accountant stretching you out. Yeah, there was like five people working. I don't with know, man. And what, you know what sucks is that like people shit on us all the time about how we how we give up our best talent, and it's it it is sad. It's like seeing an ex girlfriend go on to do great things. Now we have the Isaiah Thomas thing. At one point we had Isaiah Thomas, Hassan Whiteside, and Demarcus Cousins. Right? Isn't that all crazy that's in that draft. Hassan Whitesides was was crazy when he played for you. Right, right. Um, Isaiah, 
I mean, you the think Kings he, fans knew you, Isaiah was good. You think he was pizza guy then? I think Boogie you think, and Gade, you think we could have made it work. I think Boogie and Gay told the owners get rid of in the Isaiah. front office. Like, yeah, can you get us a, a pass for his point guard? Is what I think. So happened. that's why the Collison thing happens. Yes, I think the blood I, I is like, on the Boogie hands. And I like Collison too. That one. I like. I mean, I've been a long. It's been heartbreaking. I've been. Was a long it time. weird for you that Vivek bought the team? Yeah, it's weird because look, as an Indian I mean, American, you get yeah. super proud, but then you find out he's you a, get the first Indian American. Yeah, owner? but then he's insane. <laughs> Do you understand? Like, representation matters. Yeah. If you're a white owner, there's so like it's like all right, that's he, he's a bad one. Like we have a guy. The Jaguars owner's Pakistani too, so I think there's like there's only like, Shad Khan. Yeah, the guy looks like Ron Jeremy. Yeah, 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 there's only like whatever. So this is also the thing where you get into like billionaire mindset. When you've won at so many other things in life, you yeah. can't tell him anything. Wasn't he? Didn't he have this weird strategy with his like his daughter's basketball team, where like yeah, he was he like pressed. don't play defense, or was he press? No, it was, the, it was the full court press with like seventh grade girls basketball or eighth grade or something. Yeah, like. and he's yeah. just like, let's do that with NBA basketball. I, I actually, I'm a, I'm pro Vivek. I just think in what I, am, way? I think he's a really smart guy. I think these guys sometimes make the mistake of when they take over an NBA franchise. They just they've succeeded at all the other parts of their life. And they're yeah. like, now I'll do this and yeah. I'll and I'll put put in this and yeah. the owners that actually succeed in the NBA are the ones that don't do that. Who they go and they get somebody who knows what they're doing and then they stay out of the way and kind of run interference. You think having them. Vladi in the front office is a good thing? No. You know what's crazy? Vladi wasn't in the NBA for ten years. What was he doing? Like he was like in Europe. He wasn't even like around the league. He was doing the interview for that thirty for thirty, I, where the, him and all right. those guys. Yeah, <laughs> you were like a friend. Oh my god, the Vladis stories are crazy. Like the the GMs calling and him not understanding certain mechanics of the cap and things. I mean, I'm sure he's better with it now. Is but, that a real thing? Yeah. You yeah. know what's crazy is I got to play in this. Like this was this this was even bigger than dinner for me. I got to play in the NBA celebrity game. So yeah, I, I saw, saw them. I saw them uh, Saturday night. So I see them sitting there. Everybody's walking up to you know all the A list people. But I was like, I got to pay homage. So it's it's Vivek, uh, Vladi, and Peja, and I had to go up to Vivek because he essentially saved our franchise from being bought by Steve Ballmer. Him and Kevin Johnson like worked on getting a group together and right. keeping it in Sacramento. Well, they, it wasn't essentially they saved the franchise. They were going to Seattle. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't if it wasn't for Vivek, they're gone. So to me, I'm like, I'm a kid. I grew up in Davis. We have nothing. Yeah. You can see downtown Sacramento, which is like four buildings from Davis because it's yeah. just fields. So I'm just like, thank you yeah. for keeping. We have nothing. You got to understand like the t- cities like our city, like Sacramento, it's like you have a mall and you have that and then you build culture around that. So I was like, thank you for keeping it here. Thank you for figuring out a way to put the arena in downtown. And then the next day you trade Boogie. Like I'm like shaking your hand. <laughs> right. and I know I'm the only person. I, I definitely am the only brown person that's coming up to this like. From Sacramento, right in the entertain blah 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 world. I just want to say thank you for helping the city and like all this stuff. And then he's like, "Yeah, thank you so much." And there was a look in his eye, and I don't know if it was just like a "Hey, I know who you are." Hey, thank you so much. But he had to know because Boogie didn't plan the All Star game. He gave you like the Michael Corleone Fredo. Yeah, yeah, like, like the kiss in the cheek. Right, but there's like something like I know something that you don't know. <laughs> I was like, kid, your 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 life's about to change. Ugh, you know. It actually, so sad, in retrospect, man. wasn't a bad trade. It I was just that, the timing I, of the trade. I know trade. that you argue this, but it's one of those things where, because look, it's like, there's the argument of just like, yeah, we've ran our course with Boogie, but what, what, what do we have now? I don't even, like, it's like, so Collison, the, the biggest part Skit, of that trade, I don't even know what we have. Chicago is getting your pick unless it fell in the top 10. 
So part of the reason they traded Boogie. Bill, this is why I love you. You do the balancing of the budget. This is the stuff no one has time for, and you're able to do this. I, this like, is yeah. my job. Yeah. Um, the uh, You trading Boogie, you cripple the team. Then you get to keep your pick. So that was there was a, a strategical, a strategic. We haven't drafted well part though. To that. Jimmer. Like, well, so so that's where Jesus, the plan man. falls apart when the fact that you guys make terrible draft picks. But yeah. on paper, on paper now you have the fifth and the tenth pick. Can we pass on Your Clay Thompson healed. too? Jesus, man. Yeah, the Jimmer picks tough. Fuck, I, man. Jimmer's tough for me because I'm I'm still like and his last believer. You believed in him too. I know, and we were all like Jimmer, Jimmer, yeah, yeah, yeah. idiots. Yeah. God, we're idiots. White Steph Curry. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Or we were like in the arena, people like, Jim. Or I'm like, what are we doing? The stuff you did, uh, what was it, five years ago with Lynn Sanity? Huge. You were doing Changed my videos. Life. That, yeah, it, it was like. I had to put it on wax. I, I wasn't on The Daily Show at the time, but I'm just like, are you kidding me? The guy who What did you like, say your hierarchy was? It was like, for basketball players, it was like black basketball players. Right. White basketball players, paraplegics, women. Yeah, like, like just the WNBA. <laughs> like, and then it was the Indian and the and Asian Americans like on the way bottom. down here, like the bottom, bottom of the bottom. And to me, just the fact that like the dude you cheat off of in Calc is crossing up John Wall <laughs> and going game time in your face. I'm just like, eat it, yeah, eat it. Remember that game he had in Toronto. Where he has the ball up top. This is like the I don't know the second or third game when the Lynn buzzer beater, right? Yeah, yeah. like someone is Amari or Mello's coming up. He waves him off. Just the grapefruits of like get out of here. Yeah, like get out of here. The Cal TA is about to take the game winner, and then he <laughs> hits it. And I'm just like he's on one. Like like, and I, I didn't live in New York at the time. I was living in LA. But people told me who were living in New York. It's like he revitalized the city. Oh, hundred percent. And just. The that was the moment when Mello was like, "Get this guy out of here." Yeah, I just got waved <laughs> off by no. But you know what, what was major. so great is he he did what Bollywood does for male like in like it's so funny in Hollywood Indian males are emasculated. We're like I, the IT nerds, but in Bollywood we have like eight packs. We're in the mountains. We're like lovers. It's just like we fuck people up. Like it's the best. He did that to American culture. It's just like no, like the Asian male is an alpha. He was a fucking ninja out there, man. He gave it to Kobe too. He gave he dropped like thirty four on the, yeah. the he was working. And Kobe's such a dick about it too. Was like at the All Star game, was like I don't know who the fuck like Jeremy Lin is. And to me, that's just wrong. It's like who was a bigger headline than Jeremy Lin? Yeah, he I refuse to believe that like he was that big in the Muse cage that he didn't know who Jeremy Lin he was. was. He was working in the, he was working on some some fucking algorithm puppet. in the Muse cage. Whatever some purple puppet now he's probably ready to do a whole muse cage linsanity five years later thing yeah i mean what, su- what sucked is when you watch the linsanity documentary there's a thing where he's working with his trainer and this bugs me because I, <laughs> I have this weird connection to him because he's such a child of immigrants good kid like loves his brothers and siblings and like i really resonate with that story and um he's working with his trainer and his trainer's like you know he's shooting jumpers and then the trainer looks to camera and is like now we got to get Jeremy to believe what's happening right now. Mm. Like he's making his shots. He's in rhythm. Jeremy needs to own this now and get less in his head. And I think I love Jeremy Lynn. He caught a wave. And then I think just the rest, you know, the knee stuff. And got just, hurt a couple of times. Yeah. And just like you start to think about the moment. There was some there, bias but there, but there's within, no though. better time and you know this the Rocky one moment for you as an artist or as an athlete is the best. Yeah. All you got to do is go the distance. Yeah. You know, and then when expectation happens, I've seen this happen with comedians too. You're on your third or fourth special. You start to do certain movies. It's like that weighs down on you and you can't make the same swings you used to. 
you know. But you got to remember that's that's what got you there, you know. So Rocky won. I, li- I like this. You know, I love the Rocky movies. This yeah. is fascinating. But analogy. you know how, like, remember in Rocky Three, he's got the fucking pinball machine with him in it, and like Rocky Two, he's at the hospital for long stretches yeah. of time with his yeah. ailing wife. That's, Rocky that's when, one, like, you hit the rock bottom, yeah, climb back. Yeah, Remember that, that one scene in Rocky, which is like, it's almost like an eight-minute scene where uh, Mick comes up to his his. Oh, he walks the stairs, yeah. Yeah, and he goes, let me let me manage you. And he's like, what about all those years you forgot about me? Yeah. What about me? You you like it here? It stinks! And he punches, it stinks! <laughs> but that was Jeremy. <laughs> fuck you! You didn't draft me? Like, fuck you! Harvard, I had to go to Harvard. I was one of the best players at Pally. Daryl Morey said he would have been, should have been like a top 15 yeah. pick. And it was. It was yeah. branding. It's like, look at this kid. It's the way he looks. I felt that way in Hollywood too. It's the way, he can't be a leading man. Look at the way he looks. And to me, it was so cool to see him be like, no, I'm just going to put up numbers and you're going to have to deal with it. And so uh, it really was like a Rocky one thing. And oh, fuck, that, that scene makes me cry. And he runs down the stairs, and then you hear the piano. Dun dun. It's dun, very well shot. Dun dun. It's a beautiful scene. He he also fought. Stallone also fought for that scene where he's lying in bed, um, and Adrian's behind him, and he was just like, "I just want to go the distance. I just want to prove people that I'm just." If I could go the distance. Yeah, yeah. That was his Oscar speech scene. He said he was pra- like, "I'm one Oscar speech scene short." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what's crazy is, and you you learn this on set. Like a lot of times, you're over budget or you're working overtime. He had to fight. He's like, we got to shoot this. And they shot it in like a take. They should have cut the scene when he basically sexually assaults Adrian on the first date. Yeah. That, that, that scene is not age well. Yeah. He has her like pinned against the door. Y- yeah. And it's, it's cut that scene. Yeah. Maybe take that one out and keep the, just keep the, them, ice, the ice skating rink scene is really, is still skating, really good, beautiful. Some good solid ice skating. Yeah. And it's just like really, yeah. So what's your, what's your prognosis for the Kings? Cause what do that, you think, cause Vivek, Vivek's, we got, we got pick, the pick five, we got pick five and pick what? I think you're in pretty five, good shape. Five and ten. Yeah, five and ten. You're gonna get a point guard. You're gonna get uh, somebody who's at least gonna be a rotation guy with ten. Buddy Heald actually looked good. No, but come on, man. Buddy Heald's not Steph. Like everyone's like, he's gonna be the next. Well, Steph. that's nobody actually thinks that. I think Vivek said that. I think Vivek, if you if you learn from your mistakes as an owner, he's made a lot of mistakes to learn from. Yeah. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's hard. You for think me. it'll work out? I don't think he's like we a James Dolan a, type. How often are we going to get a boogie? Boogie's one of the best centers in the league. Boogie never won forty games for you, though. Yeah, I mean, at some point, it's got to matter that. Um, so we he need just a rookie horrible to play who's going to get us to win. Who's going to also be a winner? Let me let me ask you this: Is this is it a bad sign that my team had a chance to make the finals if something weird happened in Cleveland? We had the assets to trade for Boogie. We needed a low post center who could rebound. Yeah. And now with and I was happy that they didn't trade for him. Do you regret that decision now? No. I don't. You think history will show that I just Boogie I don't he kind of I don't know. Is it kind of a in a weird nutcase whatever position? Like yeah, he's I don't just kind know. of like a Rashid, he's got that Rashid Wallace in him where he's just kind of his own head kind of screws up screws him up. You do you have kids? Uh no, but we want kids. So I have a girl and a boy, and boys reach a stage when they're like somewhere between three and four. Yeah, where they could just lose it at any time, and they're just like maniacs. He could be at like the movie theater or whatever. They get mad, and they they just have a lot of different things going on, and you're just kind of holding on, like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like what it's like to root for Boogie, where he, he could have forty points in a game with two minutes left. The wrong call goes the wrong way, and all of a sudden he's storming. 
you know, and he, I think he has ADHD. Like he has some sort of like, cause he's such a good dude and he's a very loyal guy. Like he did that. Like that's sp- the thing is he's a super loyal guy. Yeah. He was loyal to me. Now he's mad at me, but why would you guys do? Cause I used to, I used to be his biggest defender and then I didn't vote for him for all NBA and he got mad about it. Well, he's, he is an all NBA talent. I, I can't vote for anybody for LNBA who can't win 41 games. You got to go 500. What's the, why is, why are you, you just got to go 500. If you're going to be one of the best 15 players in the league, the Kings are garbage, dude. I know, but I made, I mean, I'm saying that from I a made place an of exception luck. for Anthony Davis just because yeah. his stats are so ridiculous. But you, but Anthony Davis gets injured way more than Boogie. He's got a, like weird knee and fucking ankle issues and all that stuff. I just, I should have, you should have voted for him, man. Cause he, he he's not going to get the this love. Is a big Kings. Yeah. Well, he's not on your team anymore. When he did his his speech and he cried at Mountain Mike's Pizza, I'm like, this is a good dude. That was man. pretty good. It's like he's a good, like he's a he's good super dude. Guy. Yeah, and then like I saw him again, like, and I've had weird interactions with NBA players with like, get get away, because I'm a big fan, you know, like get the fuck away from me. Had this weird interaction with Vince Carter at the 2000 All Star Game. I walked up to him at the craps table with all my friends. It's like me and three other Indian dudes <laughs> I grew up with, and he's like, get the fuck away from me. I'm trying to talk to a girl with a fat ass, and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> And that's when I, you never, you ever realize you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh yeah, I'm an adult yeah, uh, and he wants to talk to yeah, right. an Instagram chick or something. This is in the 2000s though. Amazing. My friendster girl, but Friendster's like, MySpace. like, yeah, but like, uh, the times that I've ran into book, even at all-star, he was just like super cool. And when you're like, I'm from SAC, like shows a lot of love and like. Yeah, he's a he's a big time player, and like that it's means that, to me to me that means that that does speak volumes. Make the playoffs once. Is, that's all I'm saying. Just make with the playoffs who, once. With Bill with who? Anthony Davis Stouskis made it once. And... Who was on the Pelicans team that made the playoffs? Didn't they have? Uh, I don't even yeah. Know. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, like I'm tired of also. We live in. I live. We you know. I grew up in Davis, Sacramento. So people from the Bay shit on us, and I'm just like, first of all. Becoming a Warriors fan is the new Lakers bandwagon team. Like, w- because I don't want to hear it from anybody who's a Warriors fan. When Steph Curry was AKA Mr. Glass Ankles, nobody was wearing a Steph Curry Thunderbolt Warriors jersey. Mm. Then three years ago, he becomes a man possessed, shooting shots from half court, swishing. Everybody buys the Golden State Warriors bridge jerseys and they become the new team. I see every eight year old kid with Under Armour and it pisses me off because they became the new Lakers bandwagon team. I, I would knew, agree I knew with people this. in the Bay that had Kobe jerseys. And the irony of it to that me, is true. the irony of this is that one. Kobe's pop happens against the Warriors. And I always, I bust balls on one of my friends about this. I go, so when, when that game happened, pre-pop, pre the Achilles who pop, are you rooting for? who are you rooting for? Mm. KB24 or the Warriors? The reality is all those dudes that live in Fremont and San Jose and San Ramon, we're, we're Mamba fans, and then the switch happens, and they're like, oh, Dub Nation. To me, I'm a Kings fan through and through. I have no other skin in the game. I don't give a fuck about all these other teams. I have no skin in the game. I'm here to watch the—I'm just here to be entertained. I'm here for high fives and butt slaps. I do not care about anything else. High fives and butt slaps. Yeah, I, I'm just here to so like watch I a good show. I agree with you, and I disagree with you, because I think that the Warriors had great fans— but a lot of the people who are fans for them now were not fans for Correct. them five years ago. Correct. Because I was always shocked when I when and I did and let my me put this tour. on the record. Shout outs to the core Filipino hardcore <laughs> Dubs fans. I see you. You guys have been crazy. I, I remember going to Oracle. I've seen you guys for years. Yeah. You guys are real fans. But there's all these new Silicon Valley 2.0 well, that, wannabe fans. Well, that are the had, worst. 
when I was there, I remember I went to a game in 99 when C-Web came back. It was the first time I'd been to a Warriors game. It was 98 or 99. This gets me so mad. I'm sorry. I couldn't believe. I get really mad. I'm sorry, man. I couldn't believe, first of all, how great the crowd was, but also it was by far the most diverse NBA crowd I'd ever yeah. seen in my life. They yeah. had like a ton of black fans. Yes. Um, it was just, it just felt different. Yes. And now you go and it's just. It's it's a worse version of yeah, every it's other Palo Alto. Crowd. Yeah, and, it really and is. all of all of this. I I went to Game Seven with my buddy Josh, and we're at Game Seven, and it's it's at. It was so great as a Kings fan to watch this live. Yeah, because that oh, watch them lose. Yes, yeah, and, that, and I got to sit in the bottom section. That whole bottom section was just all of Caucasia. It was all of Palo Alto, Silicon Valley, yeah. like yuppie dudes with boat shoes. And then up top, that's where I saw like the Filipino community, the black community, like the real Oakland fans that are yeah. like, hey, we've been we've been behind the Warriors for years. Um, and that's what bothers me about the narrative is that it's become this new like Silicon Valley, LA Laker type team, you know? And, like, and, and, uh, and you know, now that Steph isn't playing so good, or he's playing human, I see way less Wardell 30 jerseys out there. There's way less Curry jerseys being worn. And that bothers me. You should be... Wardell. Yeah. That's just what this is handled. Yeah, I call him Wardell. Yeah. It's like, no, you should be ride or die. People were just losing their mind. They just forgave the Kaiser Permanente commercials and the Brita Water filter commercials. He's the truth. He's the greatest thing ever. And then now, he's playing kind of human, and you're just like, all right, he's all right. I think they'll all be back this year. Oh, because they're going to go to the finals? Yeah, they're going to win the finals. Oh, you think they're going to beat yeah, Cleveland? I do. I do. Cleveland's defense isn't good enough. It would have to be LeBron's all-time superhuman effort. Last year was all-time superhuman. The Celtics have wide-open shots. I was talking about yeah, my dad before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, they're, if they're missing yeah. wide-open shots for 48 minutes, yeah. we have to go, not because we're out of time, but because it's too freaking hot in here because we turned the air conditioning off. Oh, so we got to roll? The listeners. Yeah, that's it. Um, how long plus, you got to tape long? some video stuff. How long yeah, was like 45 about? minutes. Really? Yeah. Dude, I Plug want... your Netflix thing one more time. Uh, Netflix Homecoming King. Now stream. When, when, when will this drop? Today. Oh, it'll drop so today. It's, yeah, it's going yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, it'll stream, it'll stream tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Netflix Homecoming King. He's right it. in a nice little spot. Oh, this is great, man. Right at right at the top. Yeah. What does it say? New? Oh, yeah. And then underneath that, that is where tile. Netflix figures out all the things you like. So it's like, yeah. you like horror movies with sex crimes. <laughs> right, right, right. It'll be right above that. Right, right. It'll be yeah. like, you want to watch Luther or a, <laughs> or a very emotional show about... You uh, love the Hassan missing because you like yeah. when women get kidnapped. Yeah. What? Wait, yeah. don't judge me. But also watch Homecoming King by Hassan Minhaj. Um, yeah, uh, streaming on Netflix tomorrow. Good luck with uh, that. Look, man, I put a lot of heart and soul into it, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, worked on it for the past like three years. So, Would you rather win, an, win uh, an Emmy with this special or have the Kings make the conference finals in the next five years? Conference finals. Okay. Thanks, Hassan, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, thanks so much to Hassan. Thanks to my dad. Thanks to SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor. Thanks to CreditWise from Capital One. It's a free app that lets you track the factors that make up your credit health using information from your TransUnion credit report. You can check it anytime without negatively impacting your credit. Download CreditWise today. Don't forget about TheRinger.com. Don't forget our, about our newest podcast, Larry Wilmer, Black on the Air. And against all odds with Cousin Sal, as well as the Ringer NFL show, the Ringer NBA show, uh, Shaq House, the Masked Man show is going to be breaking down the big backlash WWE pay-per-view this week. Achievement oriented. If you like video games, we have a whole bunch of stuff for you. Oh, Jam Session. Uh, the Bachelorette podcast starts this week. 
with Juliet bachelor party. I guess it's bachelorette bachelorette party this way. It's now because it's a bachelorette. But uh, first one is tonight actually on ABC. So Juliet will be breaking that one down. My wife might even be the guest. Uh oh. Uh, so look for that on channel 33 and we'll be back with the BS podcast later in the week. <laughs>